0: Because we know our Lord is going to come on time. And somebody say, Amen. 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 Uh, This morning we're wrapping up our When the Kingdom Comes series. And if I titled this morning's message, I would call it uh, Hope's Heaven. Not Heaven's Hope, but Hope's Heaven. Hope has a heaven for those of us who are believers. And uh, I want to really talk about how we don't lose the fight of hope. But let me recap real quick before we get into it, because over the last six weeks we've talked about, really seven weeks, we've talked about what happens to a community uh, when the kingdom comes. We've talked about how God stepped out of heaven and light shone in the darkness, and we've talked about the kingdom of darkness. And we've talked about that there was a king who came to reign, and he began to rule over sin and Satan, uh, and he began to uh, and, he, and he run the victory for us. And we talked about the, what is the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is the, the reign and the realm, that presence on earth that is here and activated now through the power of the Holy Spirit. And He calls us to be citizens of heaven. We went into that, we talked about getting your passport for heaven and, and what that means, that you have rights now uh, for your eternity, that you can experience eternity now in a lot of ways. But even though that's all true, how do you make it till Tomorrow. How do you make it through today and into tomorrow and not lose the fight of hope? Uh, How do you hope in hopeless circumstances? When life gets hopelessly confusing, how do you chart a course and navigate this life and what keeps you moving forward? You can know all the biblical truths you want, but there has to be something that's pulling you and driving you forward to say, Yes, I have the victory. Yes, this is going to be my day uh, uh, coming soon. There is a, a phobia, it's called the cage-bound bird phobia. How many people, anybody have a pet bird? A couple of you are unusual. Okay, good. No, no, that's right. Uh, there's a And it happens to a bunch of different animals, so, but there's a, a phobia where these birds, that if they are abused and not socialized, or there's bad things happening in their life, that you can leave the cage door open and they will never fly out of it. You can notice this. there's gorillas that they've studied and did this and different things uh, where this animal, even though there's freedom on the other side, they've been so conditioned to the prison of their cage uh, that they won't leave. They've lost their hope, the brokenness of their spirit. Uh, even if the opportunity is there, they don't even take the freedom. I think sometimes it happens in this life. You know, you and I, we may know, Jesus is coming soon. We may know God has got this. He's King. But in this world, through this long, hot journey of the wilderness that we go through, and in the prison of this body, we go through sickness, we go through disease, we go through sin issues, even the the trauma of this world that we're in, it sometimes becomes as a prison. And even though we know there's going to be an open door into heaven, we, we, we lose that sense of hope, that broken spirit uh, in the bad way comes over us and we just get this hopelessness that this is it, this is life, I'm just suffering through and, and it doesn't matter that the door is open and hope's right there and freedom right there, but I just, I've lost it. And maybe that's you here today and I hope that this message is for you or maybe it's someone listening online this morning. But sometimes hope seems so far off, even to the degree that it dies. But how can believers win the fight of hope? If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. This is our text for this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. And the New American Standard is what I'm reading from, and it's on the screen behind us. How do we not lose the fight of hope? The Apostle Paul is praying over his most favorite church in Ephesus. He loved this church, a very warm heart for them, and I love the first three chapters of this book. But verse chapter one, verse eighteen, Paul prays. He says, "I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened." That's that revelation part, so that you will know what is the hope. Somebody, turn to your neighbor and say, "Know the hope, know the hope." And I pray that you'll know the hope of His calling. So he says that part. I want you to get revelation in your heart. I want you to know the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And he says, what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? And these are in according with the working of his strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ. And he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above rule and authority, And power and dominion in every name that is named. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. What is he saying? He's saying... Church, I pray that you get a Holy Spirit revelation about who Jesus Christ is and what He's done for you. I pray that you would know this glorious hope that is wrought through the life, death, resurrection, and second coming of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you understand that He is King of kings over every demon, over every person, over every king and kingdom and nation, and present, not only in this world, but in eternity to come, that there is no God like our God, and He's got an inheritance for you. I mean, and He says, I want you to get this. He's praying for them. He's not preaching. He's saying, I'm praying that you get what God's got coming for you. I pray that you understand this glorious hope and inheritance that He is King. And we talked about the word kingdom, meaning a king's dominion. And He says, He's put Him above all rule authority power and dominion in this age and the age to come there is a revelation of hope given to us by the power of the holy spirit and it's given to us in order to overcome this evil age and get us into the next age and it's three things we're going to study this morning it's a hope in king jesus a hope in his kingdom and a hope in the Holy Spirit. I did an exhaustive study this week on hope, and I want to give these three things to you. A hope in the King, a hope in the Kingdom, and a hope in the Holy Spirit. Okay, you ready? Somebody say amen. Amen. Okay, good. We live in a hopeless age, okay? So we've got to kind of set the the scene for where we are right now. The Bible says that this is the present evil age. And there are two ages. There's the age now, and there's the age to come. And this age is wrought by sin, uh, Ephesians tells us that this age is ruled by the devil and his demons and it affects the minds of the unbelievers that we are so captive to the lust of our flesh, the lust of our mind, the pride of life, uh, that there's, there's, there's this sense of evil just throughout the world. We're born into it, we're walking according to it unknowingly and we desire physical things. There's ambition and wealth and success and power rule the world today. I mean, we can just look at the news. That's what rules the world today. Well, that's totally unlike God's kingdom. Wealth and power and success and and, uh, ambition. And what happens as a consequence, it makes us full of anxiety. It's always competition. We're always finding and comparing ourselves. Uh, We're full of worry. We're full of loss. The Bible says by nature that uh, those born in this age are blind in understanding that they're children of Satan They're destined for death, judgment, and the wrath of God. That's the status of the world today. And it even goes on to say that we endure the slow, long decay of these painful bodies, living in a sin-filled world, and the only thing that we have is sorrow, that we can guarantee is sorrow and loss and death. Death comes to all men. That's the only thing that is guaranteed in this world is death. And that's in this natural realm. And it gets worse. Are you ready? Because i got to give you the bad news before the good news, okay? The bad news really is the only thing that anyone born in this world has has any hope to look forward to is hell. And the Bible says that hell uh, is what comes after death for the unbeliever, the one born naturally in this present age. It's a place prepared for Satan and his demons. It's a dark place of weeping, of severe punishment, of eternal fire, and separation from God for eternity. Hell will get increasingly hotter and worse the longer you're there. There is increasing revelations, of uh, David Wilkerson says, of the things that you've lost. You'll be on this loop of hopelessness, and that's literally what hell will uh, end up in, is uh, a mental anguish of hopelessness. That's the only thing unbelievers have anything to look forward to is an eternal state of hopelessness and pain and regret. What hope is there for an atheist today? What meaning in life is there for anyone in this world that doesn't have a hope but that? What's the point of living? Except for right now, if, if this was the status, this was it, if there was no God, if there was no heaven, if there was no king... Why live? Why? Why not just do whatever you wanted? Why not just kill who you wanted, sleep with who you wanted, do the drugs you want? What, what? What does it matter? What does life even matter if there's no hope? And we see the moral compass of the world leaning that way. There is no law. There is no respect. There is no morality. Why? Because there is no hope. Life has no meaning. It has no purpose. If you're just some cells randomly formulated. Who cares if you stay with your kids or your wife? Who cares if you're a good person? Because there's no hope. There's no consequence. There's no meaning. There's no life. There's no purpose. And such is the status of the world today on an unknown highway to hell, as they would say. That's the status of hopelessness today. An eternal state of severe punishment separated from God. What a sad story. But God, being rich in love with which He loved us, sent His Son. For God so loved the world, He gave His Son to die for you and me. And at that moment of utter hopelessness, God stepped into our present age. This present evil age, God stepped out of eternity and stepped into our present reality. And Jesus Christ comes down and eternity begins to happen. Things begin to move and change. Demons are cast out. The, uh, the blind begin to see. The lame begin to walk. Uh, the dead are raised to new life. And Jesus comes. He preached his, the gospel of the kingdom. The good news that there beyond this state of hopelessness is a place of hope. There is a place that's coming into your reality today that wants to tell you there's more to this life than meets the eye. There is an escape plan that Jesus Christ has come to open the cage door. And he's about to let you out but you've got to believe the door is open. Yeah. You've got to believe that there's hope on the other side. where you can choose to live in prison the rest of your life. And so this, this kingdom of heaven comes in our midst. Christ dies as a man for man's rebellion. He atones for our sin. He rises uh, to new life as a man. And that by, by virtue of doing that, He gives us His resurrection power. And so what happens is the kingdom of God is now. Turn to your neighbors, say, the kingdom is now. The kingdom, is now. kingdom of God is now. King, heaven comes to earth. Heaven comes down. He says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. But it was now, but it also was not yet. This is a great mystery that that can kind of get confusing for a new believer. The kingdom of God is now, but it's also not yet. You see, we still endure temptation and trial and circumstances. We still endure those things while having the promises of God now, we still are promised great tribulation. We're still promised all these great trials. We're not promised to get out of, uh, of temptation. And so how do we go through this life, Jesus? If you say, God, here's eternity. Jesus, what He does, He gives you the Holy Spirit, Romans says, is they seal, a seal of promise. It's, a, it's a, uh, a down payment on your future of your eternity. He puts the Holy Spirit within you, but you know, man, Jesus says there's going to be false messiahs and wars and famines and earthquakes and tribulation. He says many is going to fall away in the last days. There's going to be uh, lawlessness. He said there's going to be hatred, hatred, and more hatred. Three times in Matthew 24, he talks about the hatred that's going to come upon the world, specifically to Christians. So Jesus, how do I endure such a hopeless place to live? Three hopes, hope in the king, hope in the kingdom, hope in the spirit. Okay, hope in the king. Here's the good news. You ready? While it's so easy in the storms of life to lose the hope of that we will be saved one day, that the door of the cage is open, even if we haven't gotten out of it yet, we're still here in this world. We believe the door is open. Sometimes it's hard to believe that, though. We've been used to this cage for so long. So how do we hope? The Bible says it was Abraham who hoped against hope that he believed the word of God even without the evidence of it. He believed the word of God, the promise of God. And you and I today can believe Jesus Christ, the word of God, because he is our only hope. The Bible says, uh, Paul says this, he says, "If uh, if knowing Christ in this life was our only hope, we are to be pitied above all men. But the fact of the matter is because Jesus Christ raised from the dead and was the first fruits, so you too, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, it will bring life to your mortal bodies and you too will have a resurrection event. You and I can hope in the King that we know that if Christ was raised from the dead. Number one, Christ is our hope of resurrection. There's, the Bible says at the sound of a heavenly trumpet, our suffering and misery will disappear. Our mortality will be swallowed up into everlasting life. Get this, no longer will you know the slow decay of your body. No longer uh, in that moment you will instantaneously be healed of every backache, headache, arthritis, ulcer, and cancer. And you will know the perfection of life the way it was meant to be lived. Our eternal bodies, spiritual bodies, will be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit each and every day. You're going to run on Holy Spirit power all day. You don't need those monster drinks or... Flintstones, vitamins to get you through your week or a cup of coffee. But you're going to run on the Holy Spirit. That's going to be a good day. Amen. So, number one, as we hope in the King, number one, you can hope that Jesus Christ was resurrected. He's not in the tomb today. He's been resurrected, so you too will be resurrected. You can hope in the King because the Bible says there's a second coming. John 14, 1 through 3. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that that where I am, there you may be also. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 says that because he gained the power for us, because of who he is and because he gained the power for us, he came over sin and death on our behalf, that he opened the door of heaven to us. And while he first came as a humble, suffering servant, he's going to return as a king of kings and a lord of lords. And so I can hope in the king because, one, he was raised from the dead, and if he was raised from the dead, so will I be. Number one, I can hope in the king because there's a second coming. And he says, if I leave you, I'm coming back. And in Revelation one seven says, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. He's coming. Hoping in the king. And lastly, on the hope in the king, I can hope in the king because of his final judgment. I can hope that because he's coming, and his coming will bring both a day of judgment and salvation for all on the earth. He'll separate evil from righteousness, it says, and he'll throw the evil into the furnace of fire. In Matthew twenty-five thirty-four, it says, The king will say to those yet on his right, though, Come, you who are blessed of my Father. That means we've received the Holy Spirit. Those who receive the Holy Spirit inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Our great king is going to destroy Satan, sin, and death, and hell itself will be thrown into the lake of fire. And if I can believe he created the world, and if I can believe that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, I must also still believe that God is coming back to set things right. There is going to be a reality that you and I are going to see Jesus face-to-face, face. and just as real, church, as you are sitting in this pew today and in this, in this sanctuary today, you're going to meet Him. You're going to see Him. You're going to know Him and talk with Him and walk with Him. Just as you're talking to Him in your prayer life now, it's going to be even more reality one day. And some of us are closer to that day than others. And I think as you get older, you get that sense of urgency. It becomes more real to you. And as you're younger, you just begin to focus so much on this life. But the challenge of all of us is... Are we hoping in the King and who Jesus is? The resurrection power, His second coming, and His final judgment. And I I want us to get to a place really in our spirits. I find this often in, 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 uh, in church, even as a pastor. We really only talk about heaven at funerals. But heaven's a reality. There's a hope in the coming King. We have a hope in salvation through Jesus Christ, His return his righteous judgment, and though you may have conflict in this stage, even anxiety, while you wait on Him, you have hope in the King. Number two, you're going to have hope in the kingdom. Let's talk about the kingdom for a minute. You've got the kingdom now, but you haven't experienced it in its fullest, this kingdom of heaven. But what is heaven? Heaven's come to earth, and you can experience the presence of God on earth like we did, man, just an awesome worship service this morning. You can just sense the tangible presence of God in the atmosphere here. But heaven is home of God and his angels, the Bible says. It's where he lives. It's where he rules and he reigns. It's paradise, one translation says. Uh, Hebrew says it's called a better country. Sometimes you want a better country every now and then, right? It's more than a place, though. More than a geographical area. We think about heaven being up there and we're down here. Heaven really, beyond a, a location with an address, is is another word for the perfect age to come. So we live in the present age. Then there becomes a perfect age. And that perfect age is all sometimes in Scripture called heaven. So you got to like where we think about the city, you know, and the location. But heaven is also a broader term for just the place where God's presence reigns. That's where heaven can come to earth. Heaven is so much bigger than somewhere you're going to with some angels on a harp and a cloud. It's, that's not, that's not the wrong, that's the wrong picture of heaven. Heaven is the place where God dwells and He reigns. Heaven is that perfect age to come. It's where God rules and reigns over. It's the everlasting glory. Heaven is. Heaven is the deliverance from all sadness. Heaven is the, the deliverance from all suffering. Heaven is the deliverance of all evil. In heaven, there is no need of hospitals. Or doctors in heaven. There are no dentists. Praise the Lord. Where's Wayne Chapman? There's no dentists in heaven. He just had some work done this week. There's no mental institutions in heaven. There are no psychologists in heaven, no prisons, no armies, no soldiers, no police, no firemen, no government offices. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. There is no none of this. There are no murderers, no idolaters, no adulterers, or abusers, or liars, or any immoral persons in heaven. Whew. Ready to move. Revelation 22, verse 3, there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. His bondservants, they will serve Him. They'll see His face. His name will be on their foreheads. Heaven is the eternal bliss of knowing God. Heaven is the fullness of joy where you can walk and reign with God forever, Scripture says says in that place you'll know the perfection of his fellowship and the full wonder of his love can you imagine the first few moments of heaven think about it can you picture think about it, I just this whole week I've been focused on heaven can you picture that first few moments you get there you're going to see the lame dancing the blind running, the mute shouting, the deaf listening to heavenly choirs, the forgotten being found, the poor becoming rich, the weak, scripture says, becoming strong, the long, lonely now finding love, the separated loved ones now embracing and uniting. I'm just millions of people, millions upon millions embracing their lost loved ones, the weeping and the shouting and the joy. Those of you who have loved ones gone on before, it's going to be that kind of a reunion where there's just going to be arms of embrace, millions of aborted babies singing hallelujah to the Father that truly loved them, the millions of hungry children that have died in poverty now being fed from the table of grace. Amen. Revelation 21, 4, he And He's going to wipe away every tear from their eye. There will no longer be any death, no longer any mourning, nor crying, nor pain, because the first age has passed away, and all things become new. If that's not something to look forward to, I don't know what is. And we have the good news, church. This world is hopeless. Their eternity is hopeless. Their life is meaningless. But only God can give you meaning. Only God can give you hope. And in the age to come, you're going to experience infinite goodness. Everything God has for you. Ephesians two four tells us that you'll be raised up to sit in heavenly places, that in the ages to come, He can continually show you the surpassing riches of His grace. I was talking to our staff this week and listening to uh, David Wilkerson, a great uh, prophet and American pastor who I highly admired. And he uh, did a study on heaven and hell, and he talked about God revealed to him that just as hell would get increasingly worse, heaven would get increasingly better. And that you don't just get up to heaven and know all the answers and get it all and all that. But God is infinitely good. And God is infinitely God. And so the more you walk with Him, the more you get to know about Him. And the more you spend time with Him, the more you get to love Him. And the more peace you get, the more time... I mean, it just continually every millennia, you're growing in the amazing awe and wonder of knowing God. It doesn't stop, church, just like you can come to a service and you can feel that, oh, man, it feels good. Just think about for eternity. It just goes on and on and on and on. You'll never get enough love. You'll never feel uh, you'll you'll never feel empty, but they'll just be like completely pouring into you the love and the peace and the joy. And just the reality of knowing God will forever be better and better and better. I'm ready. And think about this. So we've got a hope in the king, a hope in the kingdom. But how do you live in this right now? I know God's going to create a new heaven. I know he's going to create a new earth. I know there's this stuff and he's going to put the devil in the pit and all of these things. And I, I, okay, Pastor Heath. But right now the world is persecuting us. And it's for this hope that they do. They don't like our hope. We don't understand it. It's offensive to them because our hope contrasts their hopelessness. And our hope points out the reality of their hopeless state now and their hopeless eternity to come. And even though they could be neutral, they're not. And so you and I live in a cage. The door's open. How do you make it until that trumpet sound? The Bible actually says, if you turn there, at Galatians 5 5, Paul, talking to another church that had a lot of problems in Galatia, he wanted to challenge them. He says, You guys have been religion, or li- or living very religiously, and you've not really been living according to the Holy Spirit that came in you at salvation. And he goes through this whole book about telling them how to live and walk in the Spirit, not according to the flesh. And in Galatians 5.5, 5, he says it this way in this verse. He says, "For through, For we, through the Spirit, by faith... Okay, so when you get saved by faith, the Spirit comes into you. Eternity begins. He says, Through that born-again relationship with God, by faith, through the Spirit, we are waiting for the hope of righteousness. I think what Paul is saying there is that the hope that you and I have is not a hope like the world. It is a hope wrought forth after the new birth, after the Holy Spirit has come within you. And it actually is a spiritual kind of hope. It's not a hope from your mind. It's not a hope that is related to the circumstances. It's not a hope from your emotions or your condition. Uh, It's not a hope from your knowledge. It's a hope through the Holy Spirit. And to make it in a day where the world is trying to break your spirit... They're trying to cage you in, persecute you, make you a broken Christian who doesn't want to shout and sing hallelujah, doesn't want to proclaim the goodness of God, doesn't want to preach the gospel, doesn't want to have victory over sin, fall into the lull in the society, get in rank and file and just be quiet and be a good little Christian boy or girl. But don't shout and tell me about a Jesus who's king over me. Don't shout and tell me about a God who's offering a hope to my hopelessness. They're going to try to box the church in. And so how do you do that? It's a spiritual hope. We maintain our hope in the King and His kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And this spiritual hope, Scripture says, hope does not disappoint. Why? Romans 5, 4. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It doesn't disappoint because I don't have a hope based on knowledge or conditions of the world, but based on a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So throughout my day, I want to let the Holy Spirit have hope in me. I want Him to stir up a reminder in me to say, there's a King who's coming. There's a kingdom that's a reality. And there is a cage door that's been burst wide open when Jesus Christ ripped out of that grave and rose from the dead. And then He said He's going to come back through that door again and take us back to glory. And so I can have a confident hope Paul says he can preach boldly the gospel with having such a confident hope. And it's this kind of a hope, First Thessalonians says, that guards our faith and grows our faith. And and go back to Ephesians 1.18 that we opened the text with this morning. He says, by the Spirit now, we now know the hope of His calling and that inheritance for those of us who believe. Look to your neighbor and tell them you're going to make it. You are going to make it. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit tries to remind you every single day. Guess what? I'm living inside of you. You're going to make it. Guess what? The King is coming. You're going to make it. Guess what? Heaven is going to be a reality one day for you. You're going to make it. Amen? You're going to make it. I can hope in the King, I can hope in the Kingdom, and right now I'm hoping through the power of the Holy Spirit that works within me. Because I know heaven is a reality if the Holy Spirit is alive in me. I know Jesus rose from the dead if the Holy Spirit is alive in me. And because I know that I know that I know Him. It's a reality. It's a confident hope. And so what do we do if to live in this victorious life today? We not only be saved, but we're called to be a sold-out believer in Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is worth anything that we have. It's a hidden treasure in a field. Sell-all to gain it. We know that we're not just saved and sold out, but we're to be stirred up. Hebrews tell us if we have this hold fast hold fast to this confession of hope, if we're holding fast to this, to be stirred up to do good deeds while we're here on this earth. Be the church. Be stirred up encouraging one another. It tells us to be sober. First Peter 13, if you know this hope, if it's alive in you, keep your mind for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope on the coming grace of God. Put away the things that want to lull you into the cage of this world. Put away the things. Turn off the TV. Get off of Facebook. Spend time with God. Put away the things that tempt you and the things that are, are pulling you down. Be sober. Be alert. Be ready. He's coming. That's how the Spirit is calling us today. And then in First Peter 1, it says to be sanctified. If you know this hope, leave all the things of this world and be holy just like Jesus Christ was. Let the Holy Spirit within you call you how to live, call you how to act, not just to to wear and dress and don't go to the movies, that kind of stuff. That's the later thing. But just right here, right now, let there be peace and love and joy and patience. Be a a Christ-like person in your personality first. Then all the other things will fall into place. Let the fruits of the Spirit come out in your life. So I can hope in the Spirit, and the Spirit's going to take me through that process of being saved and sold out, stirred up, sober, and sanctified. And I know He's working in me if those things are happening in my life. And I can guarantee that as the cage walls seem tighter and tighter, and I, the sickness overtakes me, and the depression overtakes me, and the marital problems, and the financial problems, and the economy, and the culture, and the, all this stuff around me just begins like, ah, this is not my home. We begin to look and say, God, I'm going to still be stirred out. I'm going to sold out. I'm going to still be stirred up. I'm going to be sanctified, sober and set apart for you because I can do all things through the power of the Holy Spirit, through God. I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. The grave's price has been paid for me. I'm ransomed out of hell. Heaven's my home. The King is coming. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Worship team come on back up here. We can do all things through Jesus Christ because He's already paid the price. Don't lose the fight of hope today because your hope has a heaven. Your hope has a heaven. We saved time this morning. I want us to end with some worship today because this really comes, I think, through worship in the Holy Spirit. But uh this morning our prayer team is going to be available and the altars are open.